We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Hope everyone's doing well. I uh, hope you enjoyed another fun-filled weekend of college football. And we got a lot coming this week um, with the final week of the regular season about to hit and uh, starting tomorrow with more action. But, uh, man, this season's gone by fast. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, my first season being a part of everything. And, uh, like I said, it's just been a lot of fun to be able to uh, jump on here uh, every week and uh, just be on Twitter interacting with a lot of people. And hope you guys have enjoyed the show. And I can't wait to uh, <clears throat> continue to uh, give you guys hopefully more good content. But uh, a lot of things to talk about today. Um, let's start with <clears> – <throat> I'll start with uh, my new top 25. Let's just roll with that. Um I think it's very, very apparent who the number one team in the country is. Um, it's the Georgia Bulldogs, and it's not even close, honestly, right now. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see if, especially like Ohio State after their performance against Michigan State, Alabama maybe playing a little bit better. Still got to give Cincinnati credit because Cincinnati is the last team that played them to a – to a good game. I mean, the Clemson game obviously was close, but th that was different. First game of the year, uh, that Clemson offense is awful. Was awful. Um, Georgia should have won by a lot more, honestly. But, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that Cincinnati game, uh, team from the Peach Bowl last year, to last second field goal to win the game for Georgia. So that's that's really Georgia's last uh, test, let's say. So I mean, it, we. we that's why that's another reason why I have Cincinnati number two they're undefeated but they finally uh they finally beat a very good team in SMU the way that uh I feel like all of us thought that they should have been beating teams but the other thing we need to remember as I talk to more coaches as a former coach myself it is very difficult to win games in college football college basketball where where I was at coaching but uh it's hard to win and when teams win, we need to give them the respect that they deserve. And when you win every game, give them props. I don't care. I don't care uh, who the wins against. It doesn't matter. You won the game. It. That, and if you string along those wins like they have done, they deserve that respect. At number three, I have Alabama. Um, I thought about moving Ohio State, who I have at four, to number three, uh, with how they played. Um, on Saturday against Michigan State, just destroying them. But I didn't want to overreact too much on Ohio State because Ohio State and Michigan State was a matchup of Ohio State's best against Michigan State's worst. And when I say that, Michigan State is the worst pass defense in the country. They're 130th in the nation coming into the game. Ohio State obviously has 
three future NFL receivers at least. They have they have multiple running backs who will probably play in the NFL too. C.J. Stroud will get there eventually. I mean, C.J. Stroud made a great case for the Heisman. Obviously had a Heisman moment, but I, I, I think what needs to be mentioned too in that aspect is he's probably the fifth best offensive weapon on that team. I mean, the three wide receivers and Olave Wilson and then uh, the young guy and then uh, the running back. I mean, it's just just like pick your poison with them. I mean, I'll get to the Ohio State-Michigan game just because I, that, that game's a huge rivalry for me as a Michigan fan. But I have Michigan at five, Notre Dame at six. Notre Dame is waiting, waiting for a potential shakeup and I'll get to that later on because I'm going to go through I'm, I'm going to go through and talk about the conference championships and uh, what that could lead to but I have Notre Dame at six Oklahoma State at seven Oklahoma at eight obviously we got that game this week along with Michigan Ohio State then I put UTSA at number nine Ole Miss at 10 Baylor at a or uh, BYU at 11 Baylor at 12 Oregon at 13, Texas A&M at 14, Louisiana 15, Wisconsin 16, Houston 17, San Diego State 18, 19 Utah, and Utah coming off that great win against Oregon. But we have to remember, San Diego State beat Utah. So we have to remember, even though the other polls won't do it, we got to remember the the eye test. They beat them themselves. Uh, number 20, I put Michigan State, 21, Iowa, 22, Pittsburgh, 23, App State, 24, Clemson, with a great win, 25, Wake Forest. Then my next five are Arkansas, who who proved that they belong against Alabama. Kentucky, NC State, you guys know I got to put Coastal Carolina and Purdue. So uh, that's my top 25. Um Again, a lot of a handful of these teams, especially the top ten teams, are going to be playing each other this week. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Great rivalries coming up this week. So uh, looking forward to that. <clears throat> Another thing I want to discuss: um, Southern Miss Friday night, not using a quarterback, not even having a quarterback listed on the two deep heading into the game. I watched the game in entirety because, one, I've grown to enjoy the Southern Miss fan base. I, I had uh, Jamie Arrington from uh, To The Top podcast on on the show recently. So I, I've grown to enjoy Southern Miss and their fans. And uh, <clears throat> just really, really, I was really, really intrigued to see this going into the game. And <clears throat> Frank Gore Jr. ended up playing quarterback um and he went four for eight 75 yards two touchdowns he did throw a pick but he threw a 45 yard bomb or or 39 yards technically but went 45 yards in the air that was spot on to jason bromley and it it was it was a really really impressive throw beautiful throw um, there's a handful of top 25 teams where we haven't seen a quarterback go deep. Graham Mertz at Wisconsin comes to mind, but 
But uh, Frank Gore, beautiful ball he threw there. He threw he accounted for three touchdowns himself, um, two in the air, one on the ground. And uh, their head coach Will Hall said after the game that he was in, he was injured, barely practiced all week, and probably shouldn't have played. So I mean, that, it was even more impressive just to see him go out there and uh, take care of business and just handle that position the way that he did. Then Antavius Willis also three for three for 32 yards, and he threw a touchdown. Now, the touchdown he threw was the easiest pass ever because of a huge breakdown from Louisiana Tech. But nonetheless, I mean, Louisiana Tech is <clears throat> is a mess right now. Not only, not only are they putting a terrible product on the football field right now, but they're... <laughs> They've also been like their ADs become the laughing stock for some belt expansion because of comments he made in the past, and he's deservedly so getting getting uh, taken to the woodshed for this because the comments were ridiculous. But I mean, Southern Miss or Louisiana Tech, I should say, it, it just looks like a joke right now for for the product they're putting on the field and the fact that nobody wanted them an expansion. So now they're basically stuck in conference usa but i just had to give southern miss a shout out for the super back system they play fiu this week they host fiu and fiu is a complete train wreck right now with that situation and uh with how southern miss played against louisiana tech the fiu game could get ugly now let's move on to uh two more coaching openings coming this week let me first do the one that was the most surprising of the two. Troy University fired Chip Lindsey, who went 15-19 and 19 in three seasons. Um, that one, that was one that we really haven't, haven't uh, seen or heard about. So I, I was, uh, I was surprised about that. Um, I feel like, I feel like he was doing a decent job. I mean, it's not like I've followed every uh, everything Troy has done. But uh, I just felt like they were turning a corner. They played well against Coastal. They, their defense, I mean, <clears throat> if you watch the Coastal Carolina-Troy game a couple weeks ago, that Troy defense is very, very talented. Um, they just got to win one more game to go to a bowl game. I believe they play Georgia State this week. If they're able to win that, they'd be bowl eligible. Um, so that one was just kind of surprising. But I, I feel like I feel like they have someone in mind for the job, and they don't have to look very far. Um, I believe that they're going to turn to uh, Barry Odom, the de- current defensive coordinator at Arkansas. He's a former head coach of Mizzou. So I mean, he's got head coaching experience in the SEC, and uh, he's done he's done some things in college football. Um, he's helped Arkansas tremendously this year. Um, so that's how I see that one shaking out. I, I really I really feel like that's the case. <clears throat> then the other one that uh, I've been pleading for for a couple weeks now: the Florida Gators finally, finally, finally letting Dan Mullen go. Um, just, I, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. After he made those recruiting, recruiting remarks a, a month ago or so, he should have been let go because anybody that was committed to Florida should have instantly decommitted. And 
and I know in a week on a Thursday in a Thursday Friday they lost two kids to Georgia and then I saw another kid from South Carolina who decommitted and now it's looking like he might end up at South Carolina so <clears throat> not only not only are you going to lose kids by making ridiculous comments like that you're losing them to your in-conference rivals and your biggest rival in Georgia <clears throat> so it's it just not that should have never even been <clears throat> a question that that was going to happen. Then you have the Samford debacle. I mean, yes, they won the game, but you have 50-plus points to an FCS program. You don't deserve to keep your job at the University of Florida. But then <clears throat> to turn around against Mizzou <clears throat> and not make adjustments and not look like you even care to be there, honestly is uh it really is just a travesty to that program <clears throat> because of what they were and what they've been and and who's going to get that job of course on the last episode I went through a whole coaching breakdown <clears throat> and I said that they should hire Matt Campbell I think that they need to get somebody who is going to write the ship and give them stability to another level and I think Matt Campbell is the perfect example of that he's done it at a power five like Iowa Iowa State sorry um, to uh, to give the program stability and to raise it to a level like he's done at Iowa State now I know they haven't had the year that was expected of them this year but he is still a fantastic football coach because anybody that can win at Iowa State the way that he has has to be a great coach. It's kind of like what Lance Leopold is about to do at Kansas. If you can win at Kansas like Lance Leopold, is, he's going to win there. Lance Leopold is a fantastic football coach, but that's going beside the point. If you can win at jobs like that, I just feel like you go to a job like Florida and you can be successful. <coughs> now, I know Gator fans are going to probably want Billy Napier, and and, and I agree with that. Billy Napier would be a very, very good hire. Um, he's What he's done at Louisiana is pretty amazing. And, and I think he's a finalist. I've heard that he was close to signing with Virginia Tech. And I heard that was almost a done deal. But since then, I haven't heard anything. But I've, just today, and I'll get to this in a minute, just today... I, I've heard that uh, LSU has LSU has gone down to three finalists, and Napier's one of them, as he should be. He should be a finalist at LSU, and realistically, he should get the LSU job. I don't I don't think he will, but he should. But Billy Napier is going to be a finalist at Virginia Tech, Florida, and LSU. Obviously, I think Virginia Virginia Tech's gonna be left out to dry in in that situation. Just because when Florida and LSU come calling, there's a different type of prestige and a different type of money that's involved at uh, those two institutions. However, I think Virginia Tech is a better is a better fit for him. I think it's a place where he can go and still do really really good things. But I think Billy Napier is always going to have his eye on the SEC. And I firmly believe that if he did end up at Virginia Tech, that he would be 
just waiting for that that SEC opportunity. So I, I feel like he's going to end up at LSU or Florida. I think it's going to end up being Florida, honestly. And the only thing that Gator fans need to do is give him time to right the ship because stability at that program is going to take a little bit of time. It's going to take a couple years. Now, you'll win. You should be bowl eligible at Florida every year. Like, that shouldn't be – it shouldn't be an issue getting to six wins every year. But to get to the level that they should be at competing for SEC East and SEC titles, um, it's going to take time. And give him the time and don't don't jump down his throat the way that Florida's fan base has done with the previous coaches – and he'll do a great job. I, I I personally feel the only way he doesn't do a good job there is if, <clears throat> one, he's not given the time, or two, the fan base just jumps all over him and creates a chaotic mess, which could very well happen. And they have a game this week against their rival, in-state rival Florida State, both Florida-Florida State competing for a bowl bid the loser of this game will not go to a bowl game which is just insane to think about but we got to talk about florida state's resurgence i was asked by uh someone who listens to the podcast avidly to talk about this and i think it's very i think it's pretty amazing to look to look at uh what florida state has kind of been through this year and what uh mike norvell has has really has really done to kind of like save this program or save the season I should not save the program save the season I should say um, just a, a, a pretty good recruit or pretty good coaching job on his behalf honestly if 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 we're being completely honest I mean they I think we we all saw the first game of the year against Notre Dame. The ex the uh, execution comments obviously resulted from that, but and they looked pretty decent in that game. I mean, you look, you saw Mackenzie Milton, and you're like, okay, Florida State's gonna be pretty good actually. But then they turn around the very next week and lose to FCS, soon to be FBS, Jacksonville State, and you're like, oh my goodness, what is what's going on? Then they turn around and get blown out by Wake Forest. Then they turn around and lose to Louisville. And they're 0-4, and you're like, oh my goodness, what what is happening? But then something clicked. They beat Syracuse. They win at North Carolina. They beat UMass. They lose narrowly to Clemson. Then they lose in a tough one to NC State. But then they've just rattled off wins against Miami, their rival. Then they just won at Boston College this week. So, for me, that I, I thought it was kind of a foregone conclusion that Norvell was going to lose his job just because of how messy it was. Like, to start 0-4, to lose to an FCS, but he has really turned this around, and now they're 5-6. and six. Uh, And now they just have to beat their in-state rival in Gainesville to go to a bowl game and, and and 
this game really could go either way. I I, I don't know who's going to win this game. If you told me to pick somebody right now, I honestly would say Florida State. I would. I, I feel like they're playing better. At least they have their head coach. Um, and you just have to tip your hat to Norvell for what he's done to save this season and save his job, really. Um, <clears throat> if they lose this game and go 5-7, and seven, does he lose his job? It, it, it's possible. It's possible because, I mean, you're at Florida State. You're, different things are expected of you. <clears throat> but I've always thought this and said this, especially this year. I think the next coach at Florida State is going to be Deion Sanders. And I don't think they necessarily want to go that route after this year. Um, I think that they want to continue to give Deion a little bit of time there at Jackson State to continue to build and to continue to uh, prove, prove his worth, I guess you could say, as a head coach and to prove he's deserving of it. And uh, he's well on his way, by the way. But uh, I firmly believe he's going to be the next coach of Florida State. I just think Norvell is kind of the the bridge right now. And uh, if they win this weekend, it's going to be great for him. It's going to be a, a fantastic job by him. And and if and if they do lose, and uh, <clears throat> he very well could lose his job, like I said. If he does, I mean, I do feel like he's proven himself enough this year and proven his worth as a head coach and to to uh go from 0 and 4 to 5 and 6 and to compete for a bowl game is pretty impressive and you have to tip your cap to him for that um and that leads to another Florida in state Florida coach and and it, I'm talking about Miami who Florida State just beat recently, but uh, I mean we've all been saying all year that Manny Diaz ha- has no ch- has had no chance, and that there was no way he was gonna he was gonna make it out of there. But uh, they just reached bull eligibility this past week, uh, and, and so obviously they they got beat pretty good by Alabama. They got to be pretty good by Michigan State. They beat App State. They beat Central Connecticut. They lose to Virginia in a tough one. They lose at Miami in a, or lose at North Carolina in a tough one. Then they beat two ranked teams in NC State and Pittsburgh. They beat Georgia Tech. They turn around and lose to Florida State, but then they just beat Virginia Tech. Now they're about to play Duke. So they're probably going to end up 7-5, and five, which, which if you would have said that <laughs> at certain points of their season this year, I I think I, I mean I would have laughed at you and said there's no way that team goes seven and five but I mean they 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 were able to turn it around with back to back wins against a ranked NC State and a ranked Pittsburgh so uh, you got to give Manny Diaz credit I mean I <clears throat> do I think he's their long term head coach absolutely not but I think he's definitely done enough this year to to warrant getting another year at least. Um, they're going to be getting a new AD, which is much needed. The, the, the issue, and I've said this before, the issue with Miami is from top down. It's a whole structural issue from the president of the university all the way down through athletics to the AD and to all the other, all the other athletic programs, really. 
it's a structural issue. <coughs> and one of Miami's main issues is not having an on-campus stadium. That's a huge issue. But <coughs> Manny Diaz, I think, will continue to be the coach at Miami as long as Lane Kiffin isn't interested in that job, I feel. I feel like Manny Diaz has proved enough this year to retain his job for another year um, and go into next year and kind of see what happens there. Which kind of leads to the next topic. The University of Massachusetts hiring Don Brown today. I, I, I got to give myself a little pat on the back there for calling that one. But Don Brown is the correct hire right now for UMass because he is going to bring a structure and he is he, he instantly gives them credibility because of who he is. Don Brown has been a fantastic defensive coordinator for the past 10, 15 years, or 10 plus years, let's say. And as some very, very good programs, Michigan, Boston College. I mean, he's doing a, as good of a job as he can at Arizona right now with the issues that they have. But uh, like I've said before, he was at UMass, took him to an FCS national championship game. He is going to, like I said, bring instant credibility, instantly put a standard in place. And like I said with UConn, with a home run hire there, I think this is a home run hire for right now because UMass needs that structure. Obviously, Don Brown's in his 60s. He's not the long-term plan, which is why I think they need to get an offensive-minded, young offensive-minded guy to kind of be that bridge-in-waiting in type of guy. But... UMass needs structure, and it's a home run hire right now. Just like I said with Jim Mora for UConn, it's a home run hire because of what he brings. But right now, this is exactly what UMass needs. They get they get that stability, but they also get a really good football coach who's been there and done that. He's from Massachusetts. He went there. He coached there. I mean, this is just – it's perfect for everybody. It really is. And – I gotta say, great job, UMass, and your fans. Your fans should be super, super excited about what's going on there. Um, gotta talk about a little bit about UConn, as I do every week. My partnership with Sidelines UConn <clears throat> coming off UConn coming off another loss, but <coughs> I must say, I was impressed with their performance against UCF um, through a couple quarters. Because I just have to say that this UConn team could have folded at the very start. I mean, that Fresno State game was a debacle. Then to turn around and lose to Holy Cross the way that they did. Turn around and lose to Purdue the way they did. Have your head coach get let go, deservedly so. Um, this team could have gave in. and But they didn't. And... They had some young guys step up and play re play good football. But just like looking at the game this week, they they go down 28 to nothing and in the second quarter. And you look at it and you're like, wow, they, they could really just give in 
but then after they after that they they had a really nice drive they um Korjewski hit some nice throws and then Carter capped it off with a touchdown run then they turn around they give up another touchdown it's 35 to 7 you're thinking okay they could give in again but they don't they come down the field again Korjewski ends up getting a one-yard touchdown run <clears throat> that's the type of stuff there that is program building type things and things that UConn should be proud of. Um, as fans, you need – I mean, this this season's obviously been a wash and it's been lost for a while. <clears throat> but you have to look at the, the positives where you can look at them. And where I see them <clears throat> is with the development that they've been able to get with player development with those young guys getting out there and getting legit playing time. But the fact that they have never given up when, when they very easily could have, um, this week, final game of the year, they host a ranked Houston team who's now won 10 in a row. I mean, I don't expect much from this, from this game, honestly, but I do expect that you're going to see UConn come out and they're going to compete and they're going to play hard and they're not going to give in. And Houston's going to be in for a battle for a little while. And that's all you can really ask from this Husky team right now. I think Jim Mora is going to, he's already hit the trail hard. Just today, he, they offered uh, Kurt Warner's son at quarterback, who's picked up a ton of offers recently. Um, looks like the young man's a pretty good quarterback. Obviously, has a great family history or lineage. But, uh,. I mean, that that would be a huge get. I mean, obviously the Huskies have Tyler Puma coming back, hopefully. But you just got to continue to always have a stable full of players. And that's UConn's issue right now is the depth problem. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Like, you, you have to have – UConn right now doesn't even have 22 good starters. Now, they have guys in certain positions that are very talented players. Um that are going to play on Sunday, I feel. But when you only have five to ten of them and you don't have much else in place, that's when it becomes an issue. And that's that's what you see week in, week out. But Jim Mora will fix that, as Don Brown will fix that at UMass. I think it's a great – both those hires are so great for both those programs, but just the Northeast in general and what that's going to mean for that rivalry and for that region is – it's a it's a game changer and I, I i'm really really excited to see what that leads to down the road and i can't wait to go to a yukon umass game in a couple years and see what it turns into because i think both programs are headed in the right direction and, and, and it's not gonna be a quick fix obviously but but they got the right guys and and both fan bases should be extremely happy about that it wouldn't be a Monday night podcast if I didn't take time to talk about Coastal Carolina. Everybody knows how much I love the shots. <clears throat> 28 seniors were recognized this past Saturday against their win against Texas State. They, A group of young men who not only changed the trajectory of that football program, 
and what they mean to that program and that university cannot be understated. I mean, those guys changed everything for the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. But I will even go as far to say as they changed the trajectory of the Sun Belt because kind of like what App State did coming in, it was kind of like one of those head-scratching things, like why would you join the Sun Belt? The Sun Belt was trash. It was the laughing stock of college football. <clears throat> but what App State, Coastal, and Louisiana, but in this state, this case, Coastal, has done, they've created a brand of football that is so fun to watch, and they've become America's team because everybody just loves how much fun they have and the passion that they play. I mean, for goodness sake, this last this last uh, locker room celebration, got to give a shout-out to Colton Korn, who I had on the show at the beginning of the college football season. But, I mean, Joey Chestnut on there, they have a <laughs> they had a pizza-eating contest. Like, it, it was amazing. Like, these guys have – no one has more fun than the Chanticleers. And – that's part of the reason why I love watching them play every week because these guys just go out there, they battle, and they have fun, and you can just tell how much they love each other. And these 28 seniors changed <clears throat> everything. That's what I'm saying with, like, the Sun Belt. If Coastal Carolina had, doesn't have the resurgence that they've had in the jump to the FBS level, there is zero chance that the Sun Belt gets Marshall James Madison, Old Dominion, and Southern Miss. There's zero chance. Because then it's just App State and Louisiana just battling each other every single year. That's not the case anymore. The Sun Belt East now with the expansion is going to be the toughest division in in all of the G5. But it, it will even be more difficult... I, I would say that's a more difficult division top to bottom than either the ACC, Coastal, or Atlantic. Um, this might upset some people in the region that I live in, but it might be better than the Big Ten West, for goodness sake. It's, it's a hell of a lot more entertaining, that's for sure, than the Big Ten West is. But I, but I digress there. But I, I, I have to, then I have to say that this 28... This 28-man senior class changed college football because, like I already said, this this is America's team. Like America loves to see the Chanticleers playing on national TV, and who would have ever thought that a little G5 school in Conway, South Carolina, would turn into what they've turned into and just the brand that they've created for themselves is it's it's you got to love it and you got to respect it and I enjoy watching it every single week and I'll be watching on Friday when they play South Alabama in Mobile and I'll be enjoying every second of it <clears throat> the next thing I'm going to talk about I've kind of already hinted at this, but LSU came out recently. Um, Sources have said that they've come down to a top three. And it's not surprising. I already said Billy Napier 
I personally feel that's who they should hire. I really do. What he's done at Louisiana cannot be understated. And, I mean, he's already in the state. He's doing. He's done a fantastic job in the state. I mean, I feel like that's a home run hire. But I think the other two guys listed as finalists that I saw reported are more than likely going to get the job. One being Matt Campbell from Iowa State. And I feel like he would be great at LSU for the same reasons that I've already talked about why he would be great at Florida. Just the stability he brings to a program. And, I mean, obviously he's a heck of a football coach too. But Florida and LSU need stability. And I, I don't know if there's anybody else out there who brings more stability to a program from a P5 to a P5 than Matt Campbell would. Then the other finalist mentioned who I think is probably going to end up getting the job, and he, and he rightfully deserves it, uh, would be Dave Aranda. I mean, he was a part of that national championship team, went to Baylor. He's done a fantastic job at Baylor, taking over from Matt Rule, and they haven't lost a beat. I mean, this year, I mean, it, if Oklahoma loses to Oklahoma State, they're going to play for the Big 12 title against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's already in locked up a spot in the Big 12 title game, but... I mean, if if Oklahoma loses to Oklahoma State, which is very possible, by the way, um, Baylor will play for the conference title. And uh, like I said, I think Dave Aranda is going to end up getting that job. But Billy Napier would be a great hire for LSU. And that la leads to the last topic I want to discuss. Um, conference championship games will start not this week, but next week. But... Uh, we have some games already, or they're not set. Well, the Sun Belt is set, but <clears throat> like the Pac-12, we know the North is going to have Utah. Odds are it's probably going to be Oregon, but it could be Washington State or Oregon State. Um, it'd be really interesting to see how that goes. Um, with the way that Utah just dismantled Oregon, I mean, who, uh, who? I don't know if anybody can beat Utah right now out of the Pac-12 with the way that they're looking. Conference USA, you got uh, UTSA is, I mean, clearly the front runner from uh, the West, and they've they've already locked it up. But the East, the East title game is this week with uh, Western Kentucky playing Marshall. How about that? What a novel idea to settle it on the field. Uh, great job by scheduling from Conference USA here, getting Western Kentucky at Marshall. Western Kentucky's won six games in a row. They got a high-powered offense, but Marshall really well coached by Coach Huff, who who should be considered at Virginia Tech, by the way. But uh, that one will be that'll be a fun one. Uh, and then the Mountain West, the Mountain West is uh, a logjam to say the least. Um, the Mountain Division: Boise State, Utah State, and Air Force, um, <clears throat> all fighting it out there. Then the West, it's coming down to San Diego State and Fresno State. Um, if San Diego State beats Boise State, which I think they will, they will win the West. If San Diego State loses and Fresno State wins on Thanksgiving against San Jose State, then Fresno State would go. Um, so a really good battle there. In the Mountain, it looks more like uh, if Air Force – if all th if all three team 
if uh, I just saw it, uh, the scenario. If all three teams win, then uh, Air Force would go to the title game. So here, here's this this scenario for the Mountain Division. Air Force clinches the Mountain Division if Air Force, Boise State, and Utah State all win, creating a three-way tie. Or Air Force wins and Utah State loses. Now I think it's very apparent that Boise State's going to lose to San Diego State, but Boise State can clinch the division if they win and then Air Force loses, and Utah State clinches the division if they win and Boise loses. So Air Force needs Boise to beat San Diego State, which I don't see happening, but it, it sets up really well for Utah State then if Utah State just wins at New Mexico, which they should have beat Wyoming this week, but they didn't. They would have clinched if they would have beat Wyoming this week. <clears throat> but nonetheless, it's looking like it's going to be Utah State against San Diego State in the Mountain West. Um, then the Big 12, like I already said, Oklahoma State's in it. Then it just comes down to if Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma, then Baylor's in. If Oklahoma wins, it's Oklahoma, Oklahoma State again. The MAC and IU's already won the West. In the East, uh, another novel idea here. Miami, Ohio plays at Kent State on Saturday. The winner of that game will win the East, and I thoroughly believe it'll be Kent State, and we'll get another rematch of Kent State NIU, which was a great shootout in Kent, Ohio, a few weeks ago. Then in the Sun Belt, we got App State at Louisiana. Louisiana destroyed App State earlier in the year, but App was clearly focused on their upcoming game against Coastal. Let me just say that that will not be the case this time around. App State will be ready to go. <clears throat> I think it boils down to will Billy Napier be focused on whichever P5 job he gets, whether it's Florida, Virginia Tech, or LSU, or will he be focused on the Louisiana team that he's coaching? I think it's I think it's that simple. Um, then the SEC championships already set. Georgia, Alabama. Um, the, the the thing that I am really concerned with in that game is how it's officiated. And I say that because it is obviously in the SEC's best interest if Alabama wins because then both Georgia and Alabama would go to the college football playoff. Georgia's in no matter what. They've been the most consistent team. They've been the best team. They've proven that, and they're going to be there. Um, but like I said, it's in the SEC's best interest if both are there. And, and I know the college football playoff committee is going to do everything that they can to get a two-loss Alabama team in. But I think we all, every football fan would agree that that should not happen. That's what then sets up well for Notre Dame to get in. <clears throat> then you have the American Championship. That one's already set with Houston against Cincinnati. I, I'm going to continue to roll with the Bearcats. I had them making the college football playoff in my preseason poll. My preseason poll, or my preseason college football uh, 
playoff rankings don't look half bad. I had Alabama, Cincinnati. I had Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, then Cincinnati. I still feel Alabama. I feel like Alabama is going to beat Georgia and get in. And then Ohio State's clearly going to get in. I think that they're going to beat Michigan by three or four touchdowns, unfortunately, if not more. Um, the only one that's not going to get in is Clemson, but Clemson still could win the ACC. Um, Pittsburgh has already wrapped up the Coastal, but the Atlantic is still up for grabs. If Wake Forest loses at Boston College this week, which is possible, and then if NC State loses to North Carolina, which is possible, and Clemson wins at South, Clemson's already done with conference play. But it would if if they all win, it sets up a three-way tie. Be really interesting to see how that would shake up. But there there is a clear path for Clemson to get to the title game, and I think that's the worst scenario that could happen for the ACC. Because I just think they need new blood. But at the same time, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how that goes. Then the Big Ten East obviously will be decided this Saturday. Ohio State and Michigan. I've already told you how I think that's going to go. Then the West will also be decided this week when uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota play. And and I think with just the way that Wisconsin's playing right now, I feel like they're just going to be able they're going to get it done. I feel, but that's the Big Ten West championship. <clears throat> and I, I I mean I don't think anybody in the West is going to beat Ohio State or Michigan for that matter, but I think right now Wisconsin poses the best threat to any of them. Just the way that they're playing, they're playing at a high level. Their defense is playing pretty well right now. They're running the ball better. Um, Graham Mertz might be able to make a throw if he had to, maybe, but, uh, but I'm not saying that they're going to beat Ohio state, like I said, or Michigan for that matter. But I think they just give the best opportunity to make it a good game. Um, if that was the case, but again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope everybody's doing well. Um, I will not have a episode this Thursday with it being Thanksgiving. Um, I hope everybody has a fantastic holiday uh, with family and friends. And um, I am a diehard Detroit Lions fan, so I'm used to my Thanksgiving uh, going south <laughs> pretty early. But uh, at least I get food to uh, shovel in my face and make myself feel better about that. But uh but hey, again, have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Help, uh, have a good one. Have a good night. God bless.